Released back in 1996, Super Mario RPG was a role-playing game developed by Square of modern-day Square Enix fame and published by Nintendo. It was very different from any Mario game published up until this point. It was an isometric 3D game, a view of which hadn't yet been seen in any Mario game. It had a turn-based battle system, which was a wild departure from the platform style of any other game before it. It had a story that took us beyond the Mushroom Kingdom to wild and wonderful lands like Monstro Town, Nimbus Land, Yoster Isle, Moleville, and more. It had colorful characters in it like Frog Fuchsius, Punchinello, Gino, Mallow, and the list goes on. It was simply different. Today we're going to be taking a look at Super Mario RPG, looking at all these differences, what makes it good, what makes it bad, and we're going to talk about how it all came together as we take today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 37th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we take a look back at one release during the current week in gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world, or what it gave back to it. Today we're heading back to 1996 and taking a look at the very first RPG in the Super Mario franchise, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who is perhaps the most infamous member of the Smithy Gang, my co-host and brother, Rob Casson. Rob, how's your quest to take over the Mushroom Kingdom going? Well, you know, it'd be going great, except there's these two annoying brothers who just won't stop foiling our plans. Technically, there's only one of those in this one. But, you know... If we're referring to this specific... Sure. We're looking back at 1996, Dave. We're not looking at modern day Smithy Gang. Come on. Even still, Luigi... You know. Well, anyway, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Can't complain. Isn't that what we say every week? You can't complain? Sure. Not like anyone listens to us anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What are you playing? Uh, RuneScape. Not right this moment. God, every week we go through this. Uh All right. So let's start with what are you playing right this moment? That would be RuneScape. And what have you been playing since the last time we got together to have a talk? You know, I haven't played a whole lot this week. I guess I probably did a little bit of Apex, but yeah. other than that, I really can't think of anything. You did Rocket League? Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, I did like a couple games of Rocket League. I also got as far into Super Mario RPG as I did as a child. Did you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's not. Don't Don't get excited about that. But yeah, I got as far as I did. I'm not. I'm not that excited. That's okay. I, I, I've probably played this all the way through enough times for the both of us. And we're going to talk about where you get stuck every time. So that'll be fun. Yay. Yay. Cool beans. 
I guess let's talk about Super Mario RPG. Let's. Let's. I generally find myself spending a lot of time on origins of games and development of games and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is this: there's not much to this one. Square and Nintendo came together to make Super Mario RPG. On the Square side, their RPGs were selling really good in Japan, but not very well stateside. Uh, so they were looking for a character that they could use that would broaden their appeal to Western audiences. While on the other side of things, on the Nintendo side, uh, Mr. Mario himself, uh, Ma- Shigeru Miyamoto, had had been considering making an RPG for Nintendo for, for some time. And there's nothing fancy that the two happened to have a conversation about it and the idea was struck and they kept talking and thus super mario rpg was born you know it it wasn't it it was a couple year development process it wasn't very complicated there there wasn't drama like we usually find there wasn't i had to extend well they did have to extend the release date at least once i can tell you that much but yeah couple other fun facts about it uh at one point a 60 percent version was given to nintendo of america and people were surprised that it was an rpg because apparently that wasn't really brought up at first um you know among the masses so but yeah so you have final fantasy developer square and super mario super mario developer nintendo and they came together mayamoto and uh Fujioka, which is which was on the Square, one of Square producers, and they developed Super Mario RPG. Fancy schmancy, huh? Fancy fancy. Yeah. Couple things before we get into the game. This game came very late in the Super Nintendo cycle. It was the last Mario game for the SNES. In fact, it was released about four months before the Nintendo 64. In general, that's really believed to have limited its popularity. You know, it didn't have a lot of time to continue selling compared to some other games. That's not to say it wasn't successful. It was a successful game, and of course we know its success spawned other RPGs in the Mario series, like the Paper Mario series later on, and the Mario and Luigi series later on. So, you know, we got them there, but uh, yeah. So Mario RPG came pretty early on. It was also pretty impressive technologically. Mario Super Mario RPG was one of only 34 Super Nintendo games to use a chip called the SA1 or Super Accelerator 1, which which honestly gave it a lot of the chip added a lot of benefits. It had a significantly higher clock speed than 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 what the the games were normally able to use. It had faster RAM. Uh, it had different data storage and compression. It had different copy protection lockouts, different arithmetic functions. It basically was another coprocessor that allowed the games that use it to just be better than you know and, and take advantage of more stuff than than standard Nintendo games. Among the games that use it, other games were like the Kirby series and the PGA Tour games that we would see stateside. There weren't a lot, honestly, that came to North America. 
most of the SA1 games went to Japan, but those are just a few of the ones that would come to that would come to America. Also not the only there were a lot of different a lot of different accelerated chips that went on different games, you know, like you had the one of the better known ones is the DSP1 which was, you know, using the arithmetic for mode 7 games like Mario Kart or Pilot Wings. You also had the Super FX chip which man, I loved Super FX games, you know, like Star Fox, Stunt Race oh, FX yeah. I played a lot of Dirt Track FX, Doom was a uh, FX game, Super Mario World 2 was an FX game, but I think out of all those, the one that most people know is definitely Star Fox and Stunt Race FX. But yeah, this is one of the this is one of the Super Accelerator games, and it shows. I think, in all honesty, for a uh, for a Super Nintendo game, Super Mario RPG plays and looks incredibly well. Uh, you can tell. You can tell that it comes at the tail end of the life cycle uh, for Super Nintendo. I mean, it you know it's not that the Super Nintendo stopped when Nintendo 64 came out, but when a new generation comes out, you'll start to see less and less support for it. Um, but yeah, and then of course we have it recently. It was re-released for the Virtual Console on the Wii. It was re-re-released for the Virtual Console on the Wii U. Wii U. And then uh, a couple years ago, when we got the Super NES Classic Edition, it was included as one of the built-in games on that one. So that's 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 how we got to Super Mario RPG. All right, Rob. So you said now that you've gotten stuck at the same place multiple times. I mean, to say stuck would insinuate that I couldn't beat it. I just got to that point every time. Maybe I did have trouble beating it before, but I don't know. It's just once I got to that point now, the nostalgia kicked in. And I was like, oh, this is where I always stopped before. Might as well stop again. Well, I got to tell you, I, I had a chance to play bits and pieces, and I, I, I forgot how fun, like how goofy this game was. This game is weird, but not weird in a uh, Super Mario Land you know, going through Egypt and fighting alien saucers kind of way. It's weird in a it's just got character. It's got really cool characters and it's it's really different from. I mean, obviously, it's really different from all the other Mario games. It's an RPG and it takes place in a lot of different places. So. But let's go back to the beginning. So. Game begins, you know, Princess Toadstool is sitting outside Mario's house i guess it is and she's kidnapped by king bowser as usual is not how all mario games start there is sure enough even odyssey starts out with her getting kidnapped by bowser isn't that right yeah it is he's he's on his flying ship as usual mario chases after he chases he chases after bowser ends up at bowser's keep goes through the castle proceeds to battle him on the chandelier we get to this part. Did you get to that part? I'm currently at that part. That is not the part that you you stop at every time. Really? It's the chandelier? No, I'm actually just at the moment playing uh, the game. Playing just for funsies. All right. Yeah. So he defeats him on the chandelier as the chandelier is falling and the chandelier falls for 10,000 minutes in case you've never played it. And after defeating Bowser and rescuing the princess, the castle begins to shake. And a giant sword 
falls from the sky and crashes into Bowser's keep. It destroys Star Road, sending seven stars into all these different places, hence Legend of the Seven Stars, and sends Mario and Toadstool and Bowser and everyone flying into different directions. Mario ends up landing back at his house, and when he discovers that Toadstool is not there, he decides to go back to Bowser's keep, but as he gets there, he finds that the bridge is out, right? Isn't that it? The bridge is out? The bridge is out, and there is a sword in a castle. There's a giant sword. Exor is the sword's name. Ah. And, and, he tells, and he tells Mario that the Bowser keep, Bowser's keep now belongs to the Smithy gang, and, and that they're going to take over the world from, from Bowser's keep. Of all places, I don't know why they picked Bowser's keep. Yep, and that's the extent of my knowledge of the game. Really? You you you've never actually played past the prologue. I don't think I have. I really can't think of a time that I have. Oh man. Man, you're missing a good one. Well, hey, that's why as always, I'm giving it another try. Yep. So Mario goes home and finds that Toad's been kidnapped by the Hammer Brothers and he goes to meet the Chancellor and let the Chancellor know that hey, I I done messed up again and the princess is gone and after talking with the Chancellor, he meets Mallow, who is a frog from Tadpole Pond. And Mallow and Mario chase after a thief uh, who stole a frog coin from Mallow. That thief is called Krako. <laughs> I love this. Nice. And they, they get the coin back, and when they return, they find that Mushroom Kingdom is, is all dark and overrun by monsters. And so they enter the Mushroom Kingdom, Kingdom, and they meet their first member of the Smithy game, Mac. Mac is Mac is a member of the Smithy gang, and I remember Mac was like, you know how I'm not, I don't really have the problem nowadays, but I remember with old school RPGs, I always used to hit walls because I never wanted to take my time to level correctly and so i'd race through the game and then just hit the wall they don't really build games like that nowadays at least i don't feel like they they make rpgs like that nowadays that quite don't level correctly because i feel like leveling in modern rpgs is a lot more flexible than it used to be i I remember mac was my he's i mean he's the prak was a boss but mac's a big boss so mario defeats mac and he gets his first star after getting the frog coin, getting the star, you know, Mallow, Mario decides to escort Mallow home to Tadpole Pond. And they have to go through sewers where they meet this giant dog-like enemy called Balome. And Balome eats the characters and spits them out. It's really kind of gross. And I just remember him with this big floppy tongue. And then just, you know, done. Yeah, it's so weird. So, so weird. So they get to Tadpole Pond and they meet Mallow's grandfather, Frog Fucius. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's a name and a half. And he and he revealed. So this is this is the big reveal. So he found Mallow floating in a basket as a baby. He's not really his grandfather. And Mallow's not really a frog. Ooh. So he tells Mallow to travel with Mario and find his true home. So here we've got our party. It's, it's Mario and Mallow. Along the way, they now travel to Rosetown, 
we get to Rosetown and it's under attack. There's these paralyzing arrows that are shot from a, a nearby forest. So they get into the inn and then they meet the innkeeper's son, Gaz. And he's got dolls of Mario, Bowser, and Toadstool, and he's playing—he's playing the game. But as the game continues, he brings out his favorite doll, which is a doll named Gino. Mario gets knocked out by the kid playing this game with the toys, and while he's in bed, a star possesses the Gino doll and walks towards the forest maze. Of course, Mario's got to go after him, and he meets up with Gino. They get that party, and they—they—they they, they find this weird googly-eyed guy named Bowyer who's a bow-like creature that's firing the arrows into uh, into <laughs> into Rosetown. <laughs> oh, man. It just gets so weird. It's so weird. Aren't you kind of curious all the stuff you're missing, Rob? Well, Dave, that's why I'm trying to get again, because I want to learn more. <laughs> Part of the fun is trying to get you to want to play games. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I didn't. But sure. You know, you know what else we get to after this point? We get to go to Yoster Isle. Can you guess what's at Yoster Isle? Uh, I'm gonna guess uh, a rooster. Yes, a rooster. Nice. Totally a rooster. It it's definitely where Yoshi and all his people are from. Basically, it's Yoshi's Island, but they call it Yoster Isle in this one. After Rosetown, they go to Moville, and all the all the people who there are uh, moles. In case you that wasn't very clear, and they have to go into a mine to get some items back. And they meet this insane character called Punchinello, who wants to punch Mario's lights out in order to become famous. Wow, nice. That's a nice backstory. I know, isn't it great? They got to go to Booster Tower. Booster's this weird freaking character who I don't even know. He he looks like an early Wario to be. He looks like Wario to be honest with you. He's just a weird weird character who I don't even know how to put it. He's just weird. He's so weird. He's got his tower and pictures, and he's like the eighth character, and looks like they've been inbreeding the whole time. And he's crazy. That's all it is. He's totally crazy. But yeah, then you get to go to Seaside Town and and get this a star on a sunken ship where you get to meet Jonathan Jones, the shark owner of the ship. And then you got to go to Monstro Town, which is where reformed monsters go. And they find out that the another star piece is in the sky in a place called Nimbus Land. And as it turns out, Nimbus Land is where Mallow is from. Go figure, right? Marshmallow and Nimbus Land. Who would have guessed? Oh. Yeah, never. Nah, never? Nah. Man, it's just crazy. So they gotta go to all these different places. It's 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 actually a lot of fun. What do we got? We got Mushroom Kingdom, Moville, Monster Town, Yoster Isle, Nimbus Island. You revisit Bowser's Castle. The sword turns out to be a portal to another place, which is a giant factory where all these enemies are coming out. So you gotta fight it. Along the way, you pick up a lot of great characters. You get to play as Mario. You get to play as Mallow, Gino, Bowser, and Toadstool. And since you haven't played past the prologue, that's why I said that there's no Luigi in this one. Well, I knew that much. I knew who the characters were. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. Like, where? why in the hell 
Why in the hell is there no Luigi in this one? I mean, literally the only place Luigi shows up is in the ending. There's a parade at the end of the game, and Luigi is a parade grand marshal. But what I really want to know is where the flip has he been this entire time? He was working with the band and the parade on the grand marshalling. Duh. Is that what it is? Yeah, he had to have the parade ready for his brother. Come on. So you get to go to all these places and you fight giant swords and, and, and Smithy, who is a robotic blacksmith that wants to take over the world, hence the Smithy gang. And you you basically fight. You fight. That's I mean, you fight. There's a lot to do in this game. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but you got side. I mean, not a lot of side quests, but you got side quests here and there. There's a racing mini game. You know, Yoster Isle isn't required, so you can go to Yoshi's Isle. That's where you. That's where you. Uh, that's where you fight the Mushroom Derby. It's a racing mini game. That's where you do the Mushroom Derby. There's a casino called the Great Guy Casino. It's got several mini games that you can win coins. There is a Final Fantasy style boss in this game. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but I do remember that you had to get fireworks for a girl mole. And then you could get a shiny stone that opened a door that led to another dimension that fought a, that fought the final fantasy type character that was harder than the last boss. It was like a RPGs used to also have hidden bosses that were harder than the actual story boss. What happened to that? Does, Dark Souls have anything like that, for instance? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. Are there hidden bosses all over the place? I mean, I wouldn't say all over the place, but there are a few of them that are uh, <clears throat> pretty tough to beat. Mm. And you don't have to beat them to, f- to finish the game? Nope, not at all. Completely optional. I feel like optional bosses aren't as much of a thing as they used to. Well, all right. I guess it's kind of tough in concept, in, 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 in uh, context. Mostly because we do open world games nowadays, and I think that the concept of bosses is slightly different in an open world game. Yeah, that's fair. But I don't know. No, even open world games like the Final Fantasy, all the latest Final Fantasy entries had optional bosses, so I guess I just don't know what I'm talking about. In all honesty, (laughs) yeah, this wouldn't be the first time I was accused of doing so. In all honesty, I don't... I don't play as many RPGs nowadays. It's not it's not a, as big of a um a genre for me as it used to be, you know? Right, for sure. But that's it. You know, this game presents itself in a, a 3D isometric view. It was the first Mario to be 3D isometric and obviously the first Mario RPG. Uh the last Mario game for the Super Nintendo, so it holds a lot of spot of significance. You have weapons in this game, like hammers and, and tortoise shells and stuff, and it's, it's I believe, the first Mario game that you had weapons. Now we have them, too, uh, in the... Um, you ever played the Raving, Raving Rabbids, Mario and the, and the Rabbids series for the Switch? I have not, no. Probably the closest thing I could... Well, I mean, aside from Paper Mario, Origami... Was it Origami King was the last one? Definitely interesting. Have you played any of the Paper nope. Marios? You've never done any of the Mario RPGs? Nope, sure do haven't. You, do you like turn-based RPGs in general? 
I mean, I haven't played a lot of them, just so I mean, I can't really say yes or no. But I mean, a part of me does feel like the fighting gets repetitive and a little too slow. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's a genre that was much less prevalent when you kind of grew into gaming. Um, by the time we got into the what you're a PS3 era, kind of aren't you? PS2, PS3. Uh, I mean, PlayStation, PlayStation Two. I mean, PlayStation had a lot of RPGs, but I feel like as we got into PS2 and especially into the PS3 era, that turn-based RPGs just really haven't been a thing. Mostly because of the, I, I think it's more that, so the advent of online gaming. I mean, there's no real place for a turn-based. Uh, that's not. I mean, that's not true. There's still some. There's still some turn-based stuff in in online gaming you know like your battle techs and your i don't know what else what else is a turn-based fighting series it's multiplayer they exist yep it's a little different nowadays i guess XCOM series kind of fits too i'm trying to think of some others can you think of some others mm, i don't really know very many so no but yeah that was super mario rpg's a lot of fun i i i had forgotten how many goofy characters there are between the damn dog that eats you and Punchine- crazy Punchinello and the giant bow firing bows on the village and your little mole people and it's just uh heck there's even freaking the Axum Rangers in this game which are like the Power Rangers they it's five what? little five little uh, guys that fight you uh, yeah I mean it's there's a, a, a giant dragon I don't know man there's just a lot of really I think this game was really innovative and it has a really good soundtrack. The person who did the soundtrack for actually a few people did the soundtrack. I believe the composer of the soundtrack went on to do the uh went on to do Kingdom Hearts. Uh Yoko Shimomura and I do believe your typical um your typical square composer added a couple tracks to Nobu Matsu. I think two or three tracks were done by Nobu as well. So it had a really good soundtrack. Really, really good soundtrack. What? You know, there was going to be a sequel to this. They had, they had, um, they originally announced a Super Mario RPG 2 for the 64DD. That was their like direct drive add on Nintendo 64. You ever seen a 64DD before? I can't say that I have. Yeah, they never released it state size. It's basically a little disk drive for the Super Super Nintendo 64. For the Nintendo 64, so allowed allowed the games to have bigger. I mean, it's a disk drive. You could have bigger games. But they were going to release Super Mario RPG 2 for it, and then they renamed it to Paper Mario and released Paper Mario for the N64, basic N64. And yeah, fun times. I really like this. I really like this game. I really do like this game. I think I hope that a lot of more modern audiences audiences got to play it with the release of Super the you know the the Super Nintendo Classic, the console they released in stores a little while ago that had it packed on. So I hope a lot of people tried to play it and if you didn't, play it because it's super goofy and it's a lot of fun and there's no reason not to. It's a it's a good Mario RPG game unlike some others like it could be Mario Hotel or Mario is Missing. Those are actual games. 
Seriously, you don't know Mario Hotel or Mario is Missing? No. Oh my god, those are the worst Mario games ever. We're going to have to cover those in later episodes. I'll find out when they when they come out and we'll add them to the list, but they are yeah, they're atrocious Mario games. Absolutely atrocious. They're they're notorious for being bad Mario games. Wow. Right? Well, I think I've rambled on long enough about Super Mario RPG, about its goofy characters and its RPG battle station, which call it, and all the fun. Um, I like I said, I used to play it all the time. I, I remember having it. I remember playing through it. You know, being stuck at certain places once, and then finally learning how to pace myself and level up properly, and then just going through it. I've probably played it five, six, seven times. Honestly, this is a game I've played a lot, and I had a chance to revisit it for this episode. And it, it was just a lot of fun. I, I, yeah, it aged. You know, when you put it up against the other Mario RPGs, like the Paper Mario's of the world and the Mario and Luigi series, you know, it definitely shows its age. But I don't think in this case it makes it a bad game in any way, shape, or form. You know, there's some games that we talk about the age that that would because of the way they age, they're just eh. And I don't really feel like a game like this, the aging really takes it away. So. Have you seen Gino before, Rob? Who? Gino. Uh, which one's Gino? Gino is the... Uh, isn't Gino in the Smash series as a me character? I, yeah, I don't even know. It, I guess I'll just look up Gino. I, that name doesn't sound familiar. I mean, I, 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 no, I've never, never seen... Nope, that is completely new to me. No? Hmm. I thought Gino ended up as a as a, a Smash character somewhere, but I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, it might have been a joke. Maybe. I'm sure. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of jokes for or maybe it was a mod that someone did. But yeah, there's not. Oh, they added his costume. It was he was the me fighter, the generic me fighter. It's mm-hmm. one. Of, it's one of the costumes. The me fighter component is a Gino costume. That's that's gotcha. how. Yeah, that's how he ended up in Super Smash Brothers. Not him as a character. His costume. There you go. Yay! Well, this is about the time when I give up trying to convince you that this game was good, and we turn to both you, the player, and the critics to find out what you thought about this game. Rob, have uh, we got some reviews prepared for today? That we do, Dave. That we do. Good. Well, then I'm going to turn it over to you at this point, and let's see what we have. All right. Well, first up, we have user Sweat Sweat from Metacritic, who says that this is easily one of the best Mario games ever made, and one of the most challenging ones as well. Because the first Mario RPG, it was certainly well thought through by the developers, and a very well-made game altogether. Using the basic RPG elements of Final Fantasy and new environments, plus a progressive story, makes it an addicting classic that was first released for the SNES. That was first released for the SNES. It earns a 10 out of 10 from me. You know, that's true. I I was into turn-based RPGs, and I really enjoyed playing all of the Final Fantasies leading up to this point. Um, and I... I remember I was super excited. It it was it was my two two of my very favorite things, you know, because who didn't love who doesn't love Mario for starters? If you don't love Mario, you suck for starters. Let's just go there. But who doesn't love Mario? And then you had Mario 
it was basically Mario Final Fantasy. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I just remember not being disappointed in any way, shape, or form. It was great, and it's still great. All right, what else you find? Next up, we have user Lapis Lapis, also from Metacritic, who says that this is a must-play for the SNES and is the first real dive into the Mario universe, showing off characters of all kinds of shapes and sizes. It really gave Mario World an entirely new coat of paint in terms of characters and personality. This was a fantastic and ambitious breath of fresh air into Mario, and thank the Lord for it, because without it, we may have never got to see any of the other Mario RPG games. I think it's safe to say that without Mario RPG, Mario sure wouldn't be the same. I agree with this sentiment, but it definitely wasn't the first Mario game to show off characters of all kinds of shapes and sizes, because last week we talked about, or not last week, but we recently talked about Super Mario Land, which, though it had some characters that were the same it definitely had lots of characters that were very different and i mean it took place in a whole different place super mario land is uh uh sarah sarasa land isn't that where it was sarasa land where we got princess peach from uh that's 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 a (laughs) sriracha land all right you win move it along all right so next up we have user tipsy mc Tipsy McGee from Metacritic, who says, Mario mixed with RPG sounds like a totally bogus idea. However, Super Mario RPG becomes an extraordinary gaming experience that will please both Mario and Final Fantasy fans alike. Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars takes familiar characters from the franchise and brings them into an RPG universe with newer characters and a completely different villain that is overly powerful and more threatening than Bowser. Mario teams up with two new members named Mallow and Gino, including some familiar faces in this exciting adventure filled with many comical sequences, well-written dialogue, and an outstanding soundtrack that will shut your brain off from reality. True. It's very true. I, uh, that, that's one of the things that still sticks, stands out to me this day is all the comical sequences. I mean, it's a, it's a goofy comical. It definitely more appeals to the child side of me than the adult side of me, but it's a goofy game, and I do agree that it's well-written. I think... I think they did a really good job with this. I really do. Really, really do. What else you got? Next up, we have user Robin NWA from GameSpot, who says, I just finished the game, and frankly, if I had have died on the last boss, I would not have redone it. The fighting was that tedious for me. Let me start out by saying that the music and sound of the game was good. It never got on my nerves. The world was large enough and diverse in its gameplay and look. The characters and storylines were never boring with some character popping up when you least expect it. Leveling up didn't seem like a chore at all. There were a couple of side quests I didn't do, like you had a chance to, to jump for a period of time. Neither did I fight to beat this guy to the end as another side quest. It did irritate me that I didn't get the 50 Yoshi coins, only 48, and I almost cared enough to search for more but didn't want, didn't with further thought. The game was fun enough, but when it came to fighting the bosses and sub-bosses, it took too long. Fighting for such a long time just made fighting so repetitive for me. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what you were saying, right? Yeah, no, and I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that sentiment that sometimes it just it, it just feels like it takes forever and you're doing the same thing over and over again and it's attack, heal, attack, heal, attack, heal. Okay, this battle's been 20 minutes long. Now, if you, like they said, if they would have died on the last boss, which I'm sure takes about 20 minutes for someone inexperienced at the game, at least, it well, would probably be horrible. So let's talk about that. We were just talking about Dark Souls having optional bosses. Are any of those bosses, like, lengthy battles? I mean, I don't, 
I don't know that I feel that many of the bosses in Dark Souls take a long amount of time to beat. I feel that you can beat them all relatively quickly if you know how to beat them. But I will say that the first few times you fight them, it does feel like never-ending because of how difficult it can be. I mean, I know that there was one, the first time I ever fought the Nameless King, I it took Damon and I probably 20 tries to get that the first time when I did it because I just couldn't understand how to stay alive. So I would probably feel it was a lengthy battle, even though in reality it probably was 5-10 minutes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I remember optional bosses, not necessarily in this one, but there are optional bosses in some RPGs, like some of the Final Fantasies. They're honestly like 30, 40, 50. Heck, I'm sure there were hour long fights mixed, excuse me, mixed in there. Honestly, I feel like I would I would just be so fatigued, like, especially since more of the games that I play are more fast paced, like Devil May Cry or Dark Souls. So just trying to do that for an hour just feels so incredibly draining. Like, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to to keep going and I would keep losing just because I would get so fatigued. At least with this, you can pause it, walk away, come back. And it's not like anything detrimental has changed. You're not having to finish a combo or something. I mean, I guess you could go into a safe place for a moment in a boss fight, but sometimes it's not possible. Right. So I just, I, yeah, the type of games that I play mostly, I can't see that. It, it would be insane. All right. What else you got? Any other good reviews you found out there? Well, we have a review from allgame.com that starts out saying Mario has saved the world countless times, earned his doctorate, and even refereed a boxing match. What else was there left for this famous Italian plumber to do? In Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, Mario is once again out to save the world, only this time, as the title suggests, he's starring in a role-playing game similar to the Final Fantasy series. Yep. They continue to say that Super Mario RPG is geared for the player who has never played an RPG, as the difficulty level is not especially high, and it features great in-game tutorials that make it possible to begin playing without even glancing at the manual. However, it'll also satisfy seasoned RPG veterans who are looking for a nice change of pace, since the quest is long and represents a sufficient challenge. The only flaw worth mentioning is the one inherent in most RPGs. The frequent battles become monotonous when you are forced to fight the same types of enemies over and over again. Man, y'all hate that. <laughs> There's a lot of us who just don't have the patience, I guess. I mean, you know, it's just... Yeah. Who knows? I they, don't know. they end up They end the review with saying that whenever the best video games are discussed, Mario's assorted adventures are frequently mentioned. Super Mario RPG is a worthy addition to this list, bringing together the best of two popular gaming institutions while wowing the senses with great visuals and sound. I think it's safe to say that for the... I mean, we've taken a lot of reviews here. This is a generally well-received game. I would absolutely say so. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. And the same critique is coming from across. But all in all, everyone still felt it was a great game despite that. I I agree. I mean, looking at critic reviews at the time, they're all A's or 9 out of 10s. Or heck, Nintendo Life gave it a 10 out of 10. They thought it was a perfect game. I don't know if I'd go as far to say it was a perfect game, but um, but it was definitely a good game. Good game. A lot of fun. Uh, highly recommended. I Absolutely. I no qualms about... Absolutely. You've got to play this one. And I'm still giving it a try, so that's why <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on saying good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think... Uh, 
I think I've said about all I want to say about Super Mario RPG. Is there anything that you'd like to add to it? Well, much like I'm trying to do myself, if you've never played this, give this game a try. I can say from the short amount of time I've put into it that while the battles are monotonous, it is kind of cool. It's definitely a different breath of fresh air from the Mario we're used to. The turn-based RPG is, or turn-based combat is weird, but give it a try, see what you like. I think you gotta like turn-based, I think you gotta like RPGs in general like these games. I really do think the Paper Marios, while they're RPGs, are a lot more accessible. This is much more of a traditional RPG than the more modern Mario RPGs are. So you gotta like turn-based games, but if you can get past the fact that it's a turn-based game, it's a really good story, really great characters, it's goofy as all get out, and it's a lot of fun. And you get to see a lot of different, uh, you get to see a lot of different places, lots of different people in places, so go play it. Go play Mushroom Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Alright, Rob, I got a gaming question for you, gaming question of the week, you ready for it? Sure am, Dave, hit me with it. So I was thinking while I was doing this, you know, we have the benefit of modern Mar- RPGs in the obviously we've been talking about it, Paper Mario and uh, you know Mario and Luigi series. What I'm looking for, what's an old game that you feel is due for a remake that maybe never got one that you're aware of, at least. Hmm. So what's an old game that you can remember playing? That you're like, hmm, I wonder why they never brought that back. I mean, how old are we talking? You can go as old as you want. I mean, one that kind of comes up every so often and renewed my memory of it because I saw a recent post on it from Facebook would actually have to be Army of Two. Yeah, you think you think that one would do really well nowadays? I I feel like it might, but I, I'm just, I guess it really depends because so many people are more into the, like the battle royale combat all around multiplayer combat. So I'm, it, it just appeals to a different type of gamer who really just wants to like play with a buddy and just fuck shit up, you know? Yeah, but you could, you could have a battle royale mode with an army of two. I mean, there are duos. You know, actually, that wouldn't be a, a terrible idea. That would be pretty cool. I don't know how it would work with the game mechanics and things, like with the aggroing and all that, but I wonder. If, I, I think that if someone put some thought into it, it could actually come out pretty well. Yeah, I, I think Army of Two. What about you? That's a great question. And even though I asked it, I don't know. Like, like I think of I think of classic, classic games. So many of them have been remade. Uh, and and, how, and what do you go with remake? You know, if you go at ultra classic like Asteroids, if you remake Asteroids, it's just a 3D version of Asteroids. Or I thought about Joust, you know, go classic like Joust. I really don't know. There's so many games, you know, remember, do you remember Interstate 76, the combat racing game? Mm, doesn't ring a bell. No, you'd probably like that one. Ah, man, I don't know. There was a early was an Xbox game called Black. That was a really cool concept that just uh, you could shoot up buildings and it was I feel like it was kind of ahead of its time and it would do really good in there. I'm I'll tell you this for a longest time. I thought Diablo 2 I thought Diablo 2 could definitely use a modern remake and now we're getting it. Uh, 
Heck, what about like? Do you remember Spore? No, I can't say I do. I'm 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 staring at my game collection right now, just spitballing uh, games. <laughs> I mean, I would really like to have seen a redo of like the original Star Wars Battlefront Two in that style. I just think that the new one isn't as good as the old ones where I think those ones were a lot more fun. I mean, I I don't know. It's just my opinion. I'm sure other people will say differently, but I just remember all the space battles and being able to fly into the enemy ships and take them out from the inside. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I don't feel like you get to do that in the new ones. I think we might be due for another Battlefield Bad Company game. Oh, that would be interesting. I mean, or they were we? they were a lot of fun and... um. I don't know. I mean, do I get? I mean, I guess we kind of have destructible um, environments and new one, which is what made Bad Company unique. But I don't think we've had anything that quite had the attitude of Bad Company since then. So, no, I don't think so either. I mean, uh, I don't know. yeah, yeah, a lot of games, a lot of games, a lot of games. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna stick with that. So Spore was a uh, Spore was a uh, Will Wright game, SimCity guy, and Spore was his attempt at. <laughs> How do I explain it? So in Spore, so in Spore, you start out as cells, and you're you're in like the cell form, and you're fighting other cells, and you get points, and you use that to like buy characteristics, and then when you get to a certain point, you you migrate to a bug and you go through the same process and then you migrate to an animal, then you migrate to a person, then you migrate to a civilization. So basically you start out as a cell and you basically evolve. It's an evolution game. You basically evolve into an alien civilization. And Spore was incredibly ambitious for what it was, just where you started out versus where you were going. And it was a game that like was multiplayer but wasn't multiplayer and that the other like cells and and civilizations that you came across online were other peoples but you weren't actually interacting with those peoples just all everyone's creations like when you would become an animal you could buy different parts and so you could mix and match and make these weird creations and design your ships when you got to this phase and so everyone's creations would get uploaded to a server and you would interact with other people's things um i think it was an incredibly ambitious game that just at the time where we were with technology and the adoption of things like that just really fell kind of flat. And I think that if I really think that where we've gone with video games and the creativity of, of people and crap, a game that you can make your own weird aliens would be instantly meme worthy. For instance, um, I just think there's a lot more potential for a game like that now than there was back then so i really think spore i liked spore i actually bought like a like the super special duper collector's edition of spore and um it just never really lived up to its potential but it's a really cool game i mean literally you start out as like a, a single like a just a single cell and you just devour other cells and just you just evolve you you literally evolve from a cell to a whole civilization and it's a really cool it's a really cool process, but it just, I don't know. It just kind of fell flat. I feel like it had so much potential and there was just something, something about it. But I think, I think everything caught needs, need everything now would, I, I just think it would do a lot better now. I really do. You really never seen Spore before? 
Nope, sure haven't. Hmm. You should look it up. I don't. I know it's still on Steam. I don't think it's very expensive. But again, it's not really multiplayer. I think that's the biggest issue is that it's not really multiplayer. You know, if you could if you could interact with other people and and you know actually play with friends right off the bat and so on and so forth, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I really do. People would have a whole lot of fun. You know, I think Trauma Center, the games for the DS, needs a remake. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Trauma Center were good. Those are really good. I still own the original for the DS. Yeah, I know that's where I started loving that game. <laughs> I don't think I ever managed to beat the final. I think I did either. I think that was one of the ones I hit. I hit the, I hit a wall on too. Oh man. Speaking of hitting walls, I, I you know, but our listeners don't know. I, I finally caved and bought myself a VR headset. And uh, I know this transition sounds like I'm about to tell you that I ran into a wall with it, but I didn't. But what I did do is hurt myself playing with it, like on day number two. And let me tell you, when you're in your 30s, you just don't recover the way you used to in your 20s. <laughs> I'm still sore. Yeah, sounds about right. No, it's a lot oh. of fun, though. If you've never tried, modern VR is really, really amazing. I just, I don't know, pop the headset on and load up like Elite Dangerous or No Man's Sky and you're sitting in the ship just looking around at it. And it's so cool. Man, even I, I, I was playing Subnautica and I've just, I haven't really played any game in depth. I've just been flirting from game to game just to see what it looks like. But like Subnautica, when you go in the deep and it's first person view and it's just so cool. It, it It's really amazing how far VR has come. Uh, and I'm really excited to be able to adopt the technology and see what else is out there. So that's oh, going to yeah. be a lot. That's going to be a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I think I think that'll about do it for the gaming question, huh? I think so, too. Awesome. Well, if you like this episode and would like to check out some of our older content you can do so by visiting our website at www.memorycardlane.com at memorycardlane.com you can also see all the notes for our episodes you can look at a calendar that'll show you upcoming games we're talking about so if you want to participate in the conversation also through the website you can find our email uh, a little submission form if you want to submit a gaming question or submit your own memories of the games we're going to be talking about. We will read them on air and give you credit where credit is due. You can also find a link to our Discord where you can join us and um, and give us your opinion. Uh, Rob, you know, the latest Discord update had stage channels, so I'm sure before long we may find a way for people to pop their head in and listen to us record the podcast. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, we're going to be messing around with that, see if we can get that to work with the recording, because we record on Discord, y'all. You could join us. Um, you can find our biographies, and there's a link to our Patreon. So our if you like what you're listening to, and you'd like to support our fledgling little podcast, you can do so for only $2 a month. And you can do that through a link. There's a support button on our website that has a link to our Patreon. Or you could go to patreon.com slash trip down memory card lane. Um, also on 
www.memorycardlane.com. You can find links to our social media. These days, I am on Twitter at David underscore is underscore wrong. So David is wrong because I'm always wrong. And Rob, what are you doing on social media these days? I can be found streaming occasionally on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. Nice. Well, before we take it out, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. We've been at this now for 37 episodes and we're not going anywhere. So we really appreciate I, I appreciate you, man. This is this is a lot of work and it's it's a uh, it's really nice to know that people are out there listening. Um my one thing for you is come join us. It, it, you know, we, we, we love the feedback. We love interaction. Um, come join us. Let's have, let's have good conversations. I'd like, to hear, I'd like to hear your questions and opinions. Rob, what do you got? Um, well, Dave did my spiel, so... I did not. Listen, he, he did the thing. I did not. Do your thing. That was my <laughs> thing. Well, as always, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, Dave hit it pretty well on the head. We're still going to be here. Keep chugging away. But uh, it's a lot more fun when you let us know what you think. So do the things. Go to the website. Join the things. Maybe pay the things. But do the thing. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just glad everyone's listening. So we've, we've, we've got people that listen to us week in, week out. And I appreciate you. So, yeah. As All right. do I. Well, I think that'll about do it for today. So, you know, next week we're going to be taking a look at, uh, well, we're going to be going back to 1998 and taking a look at a game, the first game in a series. You're going to know the name of the game, but not the game itself, because the name Unreal is everywhere. The Unreal Engine is used in so many games, so much modern technology, like the Gears of Wars games. We talk about Pub, uh, the recent Final Fantasy remake, um, Epics. Every game done by Epic on the face of the Earth is an Unreal game. You know, these are all on the Unreal Engine. But did you know that the Unreal Engine started out as a game called Unreal that the Unreal Engine was developed for, and it was a first-person shooter that came out way back in 1998. And it was popular. A lot of us played Unreal. It was a, you know, mix in that little time period of, of the Dooms and the Hexens and, and everything of the world. And um, it was it was a lot of fun. So we're going to talk about how Unreal came to be, how the Unreal engine came to be. And it's going to be a really good, really good collection of what a game took from the world and what it gave back to it. Because in all honesty, Unreal did a whole lot of both. So... I guess it's going to be a really unreal trip down memory card lane. Does that make sense? Uh (laughs) All right, guys. So join us again next week as we take an unreal trip down memory card lane. Do-do-up, do-do-up, do-do-do-wa-do-wa. Do-up-up.